0: I'm going in search of witches. 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 Uh, I guess you found me out, huh? Yeah. You should come around here on Halloween. You'd really see something then. Oh yeah. Yeah, we all jump off the roof and fly. You know, sort of like a coven. We have placed Vester under some strange sexual spell. And what time will we be spellcasting? Hey there, witches, and welcome to Moonstone Witchery, the podcast where we talk about witchcraft and spirituality in a modern context. My name is Ryan Lockard, and I am so happy to be here with you today. I am the head witch over here at Moonstone Witchery. You can find me by typing Moonstone Witchery anytime, anywhere, anyplace, on any channel. So that is that. The briefest commercial of ever of all time is I want to encourage you to check out my Witchcraft Academy. The thing I get asked the most is I am a beginner or I am remembering who I am or I am allowing myself to be my witchy self again. How do I start? Where do I begin? How do I do it? I will teach you all the things in my academy for a super affordable monthly price. The tuition is literally $27 a month to learn all of the things. So consider joining me there. Um, there's already a ton of content and it's organized in these little guides that you can follow right there in our facebook group and there's lots of videos and good things over in the academy and there's exclusive learning that is only available to my academy students so i really want to encourage you to go check it out if you have any questions about that you can type moonstone witchery into any platform and send me a message okay so last time i got a little cut off when i was talking about hexing and My last podcast is a little rambly on the topic of hexing because really that post or that episode was more about negative energy and our willingness to interact with the forces that be um, in the negative energy realm in order to understand the concept of hexing and inviting negative energy into our our own spaces. So check that episode out and um, hang in there because at the end I really do get around to the topic at hand of whether or not you're hexed and if so, what does it mean and all of that good stuff. Today I want to talk about a couple of other things. I want to talk about the moon and what the different phases of the moon have to do with magic and ourselves. And I want to talk about retrogrades because I feel like there's a lot of like, energy about retrogrades and there's not a lot of understanding about what retrogrades are. And also, I really only have half an hour, so I promise I won't go for too, too long on today's episode, unlike the last episode. Um, Okay, so yesterday we had a full moon Well, in my yesterday, I don't know when you're listening to it, your mileage may vary. You might not have had a a full moon yesterday. Who knows what the moon phase is for you at the time of listening. But yesterday, in this current reality, it was a full moon. A lot of witches and people new to spirituality want to have an intrinsic understanding of the moon and the phases of the moon and how or why the moon comes into play in regards to witch work and magic. Full moons, as a rule, are known to be good for um, releasing. That's what, when you start to learn about the moon phases and what the moon's doing, one of the first things you learn is a full moon is good for releasing. Now let's talk about the trajectory and the pattern of the life cycle of the moon phase, okay? So the moon starts new um, or dark where you can't see it. It's the shadow of the moon. It is the dark portion and you cannot see anything in the sky, when it is a true new moon. A new moon is for laying the foundation. It's the dark spaces. It's setting the seeds. It's planting in the soil. Um, it is the fertilizing stage. It's when we are putting things in to the program of the computer that is running reality as we know it. And we are setting our intentions. Um, A new moon is really good for this work because it is that time of introspection. In the darkness is when we find ourselves. And in the darkness is when we go within. You know, it's one of the reasons why at night when you can't fall asleep, Your mind is so busy talking to you about your life and about yourself and about your innermost thoughts because there's not a lot distracting you. There's not a lot going on around you except for that darkness. And that's why it's such a good time for you to be doing that inner work, that that foundation laying, that intention setting. Because in those moments with yourself, it's when you kind of are a truth teller it's when you're sort of like having awareness about your awarenesses, you know. It's when you're like, I've been having all this stuff happening. What does it mean? How am I feeling? And it's that distillation time where you're getting down to it. When we're doing work with a new moon, we want to be really clear that what we're setting into motion is what we're wanting to set into motion. You know, in my shadow work group that I teach on Tuesdays on Zoom, um, you can find tickets to that on my website too at MoonstoneWitchery.com. Also, that's how you get in my academy. You go to MoonstoneWitchery.com. There is a tab that says The Academy, and you click that and enter your info. Um, in shadow work, I always say, you know, are you saying what you mean, and are you meaning what you say? because they sound like they're the same thing. And both of those questions are valid AF, like both of those questions are really important for us to ask ourselves when we are working on having good communication with people. But frequently, we think we're saying what we mean, or we think we're meaning what we say, but maybe we're not always. And shadow work and aligning with alignment, brings to light a lot of these kinds of things that we take for granted or that we think we're doing, but maybe we're not. So if I say a sentence to someone and I think that it's really clear what I mean, like if I am to direct someone, if someone's trying to help me bring stuff in and put it away, and I say, put that bag in the dining room, I might think that that means put it in the dining room on the table, because to me, that's where the bag goes and so I'll just say in the dining room because to me it's an automatic association In the dining room means on the table. But if someone doesn't know me that well or is just stopping by and helping me bring my groceries in or whatever and I say put it in the dining room, they very well might put it on the credenza that I have in my dining room or maybe on the floor or maybe in a chair or maybe really any number of places that a dining room might have um, upon which to set a bag. I haven't been clear. I thought I was clear. It's very innocent. It's very second nature for me to think that I said it, but to not have actually said it. And yet this is the crux of a lot of problems in our world. You know, I am of the belief that most issues with people that um, we have in our lives are Like 90% of problems are most likely miscommunication issues. Wherein someone thinks they're saying one thing. But someone else has a different association with the words being used. And so they hear something else. This is super common but really um, under understood. Like not understood efficiently enough. Or not really articulated well. And it creates a lot of discordant energy in our lives to not be as clear as we think that we're being. And so witch work, because self work and witch work are really the same exact thing, really helps us to begin to understand how good of a job we do with being clear. Because when we set out to do a spell, and this is something I always teach new witches, I want you to spend time before you cast a spell especially if that spell has to do with other people or other circumstances outside of yourself I want you to spend time journaling and getting down to the heart of the issue and getting really 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 clear with yourself what is this spell about you know I often tell this story wherein a student of mine wanted to cast a spell on her son so that he could have an easier time with letting go of things because he had been going through a year full of loss. He had had a relationship fall apart. He had had to change housing. He had had to drop out of school. There was a bunch of stuff going on and there was a lot of loss happening. And she was like, I want him to become okay with losing things and with letting go of things. And so I said, okay, well, what kind of spells are you thinking about doing? Because I had them... You know, break into little groups with themselves and formulate a spell for themselves in the class that I was teaching. And um, she said, Well, I want to cast a spell on him um, to make him okay with letting go. So I'm going to do a letting go spell for him. And I said, What kind of results are you expecting from a letting go spell? Because if I was to cast a spell, About letting go onto a person what I'm doing is I'm inviting in a lot of things to be let go of it's a letting go spell so I'm creating the energy of letting go for that person and if that person's already been letting go of a lot their energy's primed and ready to receive a letting go spell right and that to me sounds like summoning more and more and more loss Upon somebody's life and it doesn't necessarily achieve the result that she thinks that she wants to achieve because calling forth more energy of letting go does not necessarily make someone get better at letting go we don't know that those two things go together all I know is that you're gonna summon in more things to be exiting from this person's reality And if they're already having a hard time with that it sounds to me like that might be like a depression spell in the making seriously and so if she were to journal and to spend time distilling down what am i actually wanting to create for my son i think that the spell she would want to cast is something more in alignment with confidence or safety or feeling grounded Or feeling whole or feeling complete and if I'm casting a spell on somebody that helps them feel more whole or more complete that's me calling in more positive energy to them that's me helping them feel more okay which is the actual thing she wanted to create for him but what she was gonna do was the literal exact opposite and when I spell it out like this, we can see it, right? Like it becomes kind of apparent. But in her mind, we can also understand why that made sense to her. Because she's like, yeah, if he gets used to it, then he's fine. And he'll see he's fine. Or we can just call forth the energy of being fine. (laughs) It's not our job to force people to learn lessons. And the way in which somebody else learns a lesson might be completely different than the way in which we would learn a lesson or than the way in which we think we would learn a lesson. A lot of times people try to teach other people lessons through hardship and that comes out of a scarcity mindset. But really maybe life could be a little bit easier. What if it's not so much about lessons What if it's more about just like learning to have this beautiful sense of safety in our one and only life? What if that's more of a priority than learning to like drag ourselves through hardship more effectively? Somebody who was talking about parenting once said this thing that was really profound and it stuck with me. And they said, um, why do we hire tutors for our children in the areas in which they struggle Why don't we hire them teachers and private lessons for the areas in which they thrive? And isn't that like so much more it? Why do I want to focus all of my energy in a place where I have no energy? Why not instead don't I want to cultivate for myself this beautiful world of like safety and connection and flourishing and becoming good at something and celebrating my talents and my gifts where do i want to set my focus what do i want to put my eyes upon why is it always hardships and lessons and i'll tell you why the reason is capitalism and the patriarchy and misogyny but that's okay we won't we won't do that today but for real it is so when you're doing a spell <clears throat> And you're casting some new energy and you're setting intentions with the new moon be really clear are you meaning what you say are you saying what you mean are your intentions aligning but i'm going to tell you a secret about moon phases you can go ahead and do whatever you want with whatever moon you want to do it with first of all there are so many factors at play for the success of your spell that moons and planets and all of that stuff is in the background but what's in the foreground is you and your energy and your intention and what you're doing the planetary alignment the celestial contribution to your spell work is an is a factor but it's not the factor The factor is you, your energy, your intention, what you're doing, what you're putting into it, and what you are um, aligning with as you do those things. A waning moon is a moon that's getting smaller. A waxing moon is a moon that's getting bigger. And then we have a full moon. Between the new and the full moons, the moon is waxing. It is growing in size. It's accumulating wax. It's getting bigger. (laughs) Um, During a waxing moon, it's a good time to do spell work that is calling forth more of what you want. Um, Prosperity work. Love work you can argue health either way you can argue protection either way and the reason I say that is like if I'm doing a health spell I can either be summoning in more healthy energy or I can be casting out sick and ill energy so now you can see depending on how I write the spell and how I hold the space for the spell it's either summoning in and waxing or it's you know propelling out and waning. Same with protection. Either I'm increasing my protection energy, I'm warding extra, I'm putting up more barriers, I'm reinforcing my boundaries, or I am casting out negative or divergent or wrong energy. Same basic spell, umbrella, different ways of approaching the same topic. So with any kind of spell that is calling forth more, you want to do that as the moon is increasing in size, or you can set something calling forth more in the new moon. And then by the time you get to the full moon, that's the letting go, right? That's the releasing. Now, a lot of people know this, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. And to that, I'll say, yeah, I can see your point. I think like, agree with that to a degree because it doesn't really make much sense the moon is full it's big it's bright it's powerful and i also want to let you know like yeah focus on that too because along with letting go the full moon is good for big powerhouse spells it is lighting up this the darkness of the night the moon is like the biggest light bulb in the sky literally well not the biggest one because we have the sun but you know what I'm saying. It's the light bulb in the night sky that is illuminating the night to us. It's making the unseen seen, And that is why it is for letting go. <clears throat> because... Presumably you have set intentions with the new moon and now that they've been placed into motion, you can now look again with the light turned on upon your intentions to see how they're growing and that is where you get to see and to cultivate because even magic and the moon phases are encouraging you to do your self work. They're saying, okay, now that we've set things in motion, we can look at what's going on and we can modify based on what's been happening. We can release what isn't working for us because nothing in this world is meant to be permanent. I literally can't think of a single thing that is permanent. Do you know why? Because we live in a universe where movement exists. And if movement exists, there is no permanence. Which is how you know that death is not the end. And I'm not trying to get all super philosophical, but seriously, nature answers all of our questions. The moon goes dark once a month. It seems to die and disappear, and it's right back again. The trees shed all their leaves, and then they grow right back again. There really is no permanence. There really is no ending Because we exist in a universe with movement, nothing is permanent because nothing is stable, because nothing ever stops, because everything is in a constant state of flux and change. And without that, there would be no universe. And so the universe is hinged on the concept of impermanence. And yet we fear permanence so much that it paralyzes us where we stand and therein we create our own permanence. (sighs) that that's a rant for a different day <laughs> um so when the moon is full it shines the light on all the places in which you must say to yourself is this working for me or should i just kick it to the curb and get rid of it because you are allowed to stop doing things if they don't work for you you are allowed to stop doing things if they don't work for you and i mean that in any area of your life in any aspect In any circumstance so when the moon is full it shows us what was not working and it lets us release it let go of it see you later bye thanks for the help time to keep it moving and a full moon is a powerhouse anything that needs big powerful energy save it for the full moon because the full moon is big powerful energy And then as the moon phases go along and do their thing, they wane, they get smaller, we release, and we let go, and we are back to the beginning. I get a lot of questions about moon water and what moon water is, so I'm going to talk about that. Moon water is water that has been charged by the moon. Everyone's free to go home now. Thanks for coming to my talk. But really, moon water is water that has been charged by the moon. Does not have to be a full moon, although that is the most popular form of moon water. It can be any phase of the moon, because all phases of the moon have their own energy and their own vibrance and their own resonance. <clears throat> you set your water out, preferably in glass. You let it absorb that good moon energy. You don't have to leave it out overnight you can put it out there for a period of time and then take it in with you when you're done it doesn't have to be out there all night because now there's this whole ass thing about oh my god my moon water has touched the sunlight it is now null and void it is now celestial water it is now sun water. What do I do? Everybody panic. <laughs> and I'm just like, you don't, it's it's okay, number one. I find it interesting that when it comes to the world of magic, the whole thing feels so tenuous to everybody, like as if one small wrong movement. Can destroy the whole thing, can cause a house of cards to tumble down. And yet, at the same time, we don't believe in the power of it. Like, we don't feel that we can have an influence. Like, we don't feel like we can access it to create positive changes in our own lives. And yet we feel like we can access it enough to destroy them all. Do you see how this is like a system of thinking within yourself that is designed to keep yourself disempowered no matter what you do? You're not powerful enough to create the magic, but you're powerful enough to destroy it. Have a talk with yourself about that. Have a talk with yourself about why that is. And like, what does that mean? And what if you can do the magic? And what if it's not so easy to destroy it? These are just my thoughts. So there's this thing going around about celestial water. Celestial water is apparently the water that has been out in the moonlight and in the sunlight. Well, okay, that's cool. You can have celestial water if you want. But if you just want to have moon water... Set it out for a little bit and bring it back inside so you don't panic about the celestial water. Whenever someone's panicking about the sun touching their moon water, I think about that really dramatic scene from Twilight in like the third one where like um, the guy, uh, what's his name? Edward is like gonna like kill himself via sunlight or something and he like steps out and he's gonna step out into the sun and he starts to sparkle and then the girl whose name I forget is like running through the courtyard to get to him on time before he steps into the sunlight and she just jumps into his arms right before he does it and it's like I imagine us like rescuing our moon water in like the pre-dawn moments in this capacity. (laughs) Your moon water doesn't have to be out all night for it to count as moon water. You can bring it in. Different phases of the moon will um, contribute that phase's energy to your moon water. Now, the next question. What do I do with moon water? Good question. You may use your moon water in a variety of ways. Now, I don't like to recommend drinking it, but I am like, if there were certificates in like germophobia, I would have one because I don't, if I have left my water sitting outside for hours at a time, I don't know what bacteria it has grown. I don't know what has like touched it. I'm not going to drink it. <laughs> if I've put it out for a period of time in a sealed container and it's not too long, fine, then okay. But if this is an open jar of water, I know. So drink it at your own risk. However, moon water is regenerative, meaning that like if you add some moon water to other water, it will transmute the other water into being moon water because that's how water works. It all mixes itself up. Think about it this way. Think about dropping a small drop of food coloring into a bottle of water and shaking it up. That food coloring disperses immediately because that's how liquid works. Same thing with your moon water. Those little particles will just go in and convert all the other particles into moon water. So you can do that with blessed water of any kind. Um, So some people like to drink it. Some people like to like wipe their bodies down with it to charge their bodies or their cells or their hair. I know some people like to wash their hair with moon water um, every month, especially people trying to get their hair to grow. They will frequently wash their hair with water from the waxing or full moon. Um you can use it to cleanse your sacred and magical items you can use it to charge your sacred and magical items to that energy of that moon you can spray it around your spaces and use it as a blessing in that capacity you can put it in a simmer pot and add its energy to your home by turning it into the um, aerosol version of water in the steam You can create potions with your moon water. You can add it to spell jars. There's so many things that you can do with moon water. You can water your plants with it. And some people people who are good at plants have had um, success with that. I don't know how to do plants, so I can't contribute much to that. So these are some thoughts about making moon water and what to do with it. See also storm water. If you want to collect water that is also highly charged by the natural elements, please practice safety and don't put yourself in danger. But you can put jars out to collect water from a storm, or you can go outside and grab a jar of snow. You can collect water in any capacity that has any kind of energy um, from storms or other natural experiences Um, and then that water is charged with that energy you know storm water will contribute storm energy to your spell work somebody made a post about using their tears in their spells and I have to take a side tangent for just a second to talk about this they were like oh my god I had this great idea I think I'm gonna like I've been crying a lot so I think I'm gonna like collect my tears and put them into a spell Several thoughts. Number one, there are these antique little vials you can sometimes find at antique stores where um, widows used to cry their tears into these vials and when they had lost somebody in the war. And when the last drop of tear water evaporated, it said that they would come out of mourning at that period. And this is like super sad and tragic. And also, of course, I love it. I have one of these vials that I found in an antique store once um, so yeah using your tears and spell work excellent idea um, the person who had the idea is right it is powerful because it's salt from your tears it's your DNA is in your tears It's highly charged with the energy of your tears but this isn't just water I said to them what kind of spell are you planning to use this in and they said just any spell all my spells it's just adding power to the spell and I did try to get through to this individual but I was not successful so this is my redemption moment hopefully hopefully I get through to somebody if you are contributing your own tears to your spells you are going to add the energy of your tears to your spells if you want to add grief or sadness to your spells then that's appropriate assuming these are sad tears if you don't want to add grief or sadness to your spells may I please ask you to reconsider adding your own tears to your spells every single thing has an energy footprint every single thing has an essence about itself tears are concentrated emotions do you want to add sadness in concentrate form to your spell work if so use a tear (laughs) If not, don't use your tears. There are definitely spells out there where it would be appropriate to add concentrated sadness. But if I'm casting a love spell or something along those lines or a prosperity spell or a job spell or a health spell, I don't think that I want the energy of concentrated grief in that work. Now, maybe that's just me, but please think about the things that you are doing before you do them. Am I saying what I mean? Am I meaning what I say? Am I doing what I want to be doing? Okay. Okay, I'm at 31 minutes and I do need to hurry. Okay, so the last thing and the thing I really want to talk about the most is retrogrades. We are in the midst right now. Actually, not even in the midst. We are in the very, very beginning of Mercury Retrograde. Yay, clap Except it's not a yay, is it? Now, I know some of y'all are gonna blow me up and be like, I really love Mercury Retrograde. I actually thrive during this time. Well, good for you. I am actually happy for you, but OMG, I am not one of those people. (laughs) Like, please tell me your secrets, bestow upon me your blessings, teach me your ways. And in the meantime, send some thoughts and prayers over to the rest of us who are struggling hard through Mercury retrograde or whatever retrograde there might be at the time. Because as I record this, Venus is still in retrograde as well. Now, here's the thing about retrogrades, okay? A retrograde happens when a planet appears to be going backwards in the sky. The planet is not actually going backwards in its orbit. It's just a physics thing. It's a trick of the eye. And yet it still impacts us because of the way that it looks to us energetically creates a different um, gravitational pull upon the way the planets function, which affects our energy and all the things. When Mercury is in retrograde, it looks like it's going backwards. So therefore, when the planet Mercury is going backwards. We say, well, what does Mercury do? And Mercury is in charge of communication and transportation and technology and those things, amongst other things. So therefore, if the energy of those things is going in reverse, you can see how it means, uh uh-oh, we're going to have a hard time here, right? And when Venus appears to be going backwards, it's like love and relationships are going to have a challenging time. But what people don't understand, especially with Mercury retrograde, is, okay, if communication is going to be difficult with others, I guess I'm going to have it just, I guess it's going to just suck for a while. I'm going to have a lot of arguments in my life and I'm going to have a hard time and my emails won't send and yada, yada. And all of that is true. But what I want you to know is that a retrograde is a signal to go within yourself. It's a time to go into your inner world. And to talk to yourself and to say to yourself, what do I want to communicate with somebody else and how can I communicate that with myself instead? How can I take all of the communication and the things I want to put out via technology and the places I want to go and the stuff I want to do, how can I turn that inward and have it go within Because remember, we're doing the reverse. So instead of all of the communication going out of me, how can I turn it within myself? How can I talk to myself? How can I coach myself? How can I get clarity with myself through whatever it is that I'm doing or saying or wanting to accomplish right now? That's what a retrograde is for. It's for going within. In Venus retrograde, if I'm having a hard time in my relationship, how can I focus on self-love? How can I focus that relationship stuff inside and work on my relationship with myself? This is the power of retrogrades. It's an introspective time. It's a time to go within. It's a time to do self-work. All the times are times to do self-work self-work is going to lead you to the promised land (laughs) it's right there within you just look for it so it's just a reframe on what retrogrades are about because really retrogrades are an opportunity to take it in your inner world take it inside of you (laughs) and to discover what you really want to say to yourself from yourself with yourself Okay, so I hope this was a helpful episode because I'm trying to be tangible and to the point this week and stay on track and all that stuff, and I'm sure next week we'll be back to the regularly scheduled program of me having a rant about one thing or another that all somehow magnificently comes back together onto itself at the very end in a nice little bow. (laughs) i'm so grateful for you guys for listening i want you to go check out my um website my academy consider joining me in shadow work group in the witchery on zoom but in the meantime just like be nice to yourself go easy on yourself life is freaking hard And we are all doing the best we can. And can you give yourself the gift of grace and being on your own team and telling yourself you are doing a good freaking job because you are doing a good freaking job. And I will be back next time and thank you for listening.